What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Let's Talk Sports. It's me, Nick, your host. Hopefully you like that. If not, well, too bad. That sucks. You got Dom and David with me today. Um, Yeah, it's like the OG3 again. So, uh, yeah, how's it going, guys? What up? Oh, I'm having fun. I'm having fun. A little sad uh, that I had to watch Mitchell Trubisky in person throw three interceptions. But, you know, I guess that is what it is. Our dog water O-line couldn't protect our quarterback from getting a concussion. So we had to watch Mitchell Trubisky play football. Can I tell you guys something? The, the air that, like, the, the silence that came over a crowd in a stadium of almost 70,000 people when Mitchell Trubisky was announced that he was taking the field rather than Kenny Pickett was, like, the worst feeling ever. <laughs> like, it was, like, it was so silent when they were, like, and everybody just kind of looked at each other like, oh. <laughs> At least you guys also hurt Tyler Huntley, so the Ravens are down to their third-string quarterback now. Yeah, but we lost to the Ravens' third-string quarterback. That's – I I don't know. Well, hey, at least it's not as bad as what's going on with Arizona at the moment. Yeah, I guess that's fair, but, I mean – At least they have Colt McCoy. The legend, Colt McCoy. Hey <laughs> – you know, David, you just shed on Arizona. They're winning thirteen to seven right now. They're about to go into halftime. All right, fair enough. Granted, they're beating the Patriots, but Colt McCoy is fourteen of twenty. What happened to Mac Jones? Like, <laughs> I know, right? Um, his offensive coordinator left. That's what happened to him. Yeah, but you, still, you, think, you think you think Bill's been the offensive mind behind the Patriots for the past twenty five years? No. No, but I mean, like, still, man, like, I, I don't just so, I don't know. Bill's Bill runs the defense. Yeah, yeah, but he's mm-hmm. not, but he's not running the offense. It's Matt Patricia, so like, oh, and he was so good at it in Detroit. Yeah, but I didn't even think he was an offensive coordinator. I thought he was a defensive guy. He That's is. why I'm like, I'm like, what are we doing around here? <laughs> hey, that, that ask Boston, man. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Jeez, dude, like the Patriots just falling apart. Yeah. If you're if you're Robert Kraft, you know, after you leave your massage parlor, do you go up to <laughs> do, you, do you go to Bill and be like, I appreciate everything you've done for this organization. You're probably the greatest coach of all time, but it's time for you to go. Because clearly, clearly something's not working anymore. And I think it's just time to move on. Honestly. I mean it. It, this offense is horrendous. The defense is always good. I'll give Bill that. He always has a good defense, but I, I you know, think you know I think he's just running his course. You know what's not working anymore? It's his like it's the it's the way that he runs the team because like in reality, in theory, if people didn't have emotions or feelings, it would work perfectly. Because his, like, oh, I'm going to get as much out of you as I can, and then I'll just move on to the next person so I don't have to pay you the money. Like, he's been able to get the most out of guys that he can because he's able to get the most buy-in, and he has such, a like, a strict and a, and a routine-based culture that he's built there. But, like, this new generation... He also has Tom Brady. Yeah, but I think well, we're realizing that Tom Brady... Like, the, the biggest question for a while was... Who's more important? Is it Brady? Is it Belichick? And I, I think he was able to sell the Patriot way a lot easier because he had 
Yes, Tom but Brady. but to be fair, I don't think I don't think Brady has six Super Bowls in New England without Belichick, and I don't think Belichick has six Super Bowls in New England without Brady. I don't think it was no, one no, no I'm not disagreeing. I don't think it was one or the other. But I mean, we we can't we can't be like we can't look at this past like what three years without Brady and just be like, oh, he's he hasn't had success. Like he lost the greatest quarterback of all time. Like of course he's not gonna have as much success as he did but i don't think it's all been they haven't really been that that bad like i think they still almost made the playoffs the past couple of years or so you, but still you you would expect you wouldn't you shouldn't see regression in your young quarterback like mac jones had probably one of the better rookie years out of all the rookie quarterbacks last year yeah. and he's taking a big step back this year but it's also but it's also like you said it's it's yeah. offensive coordinator and it's a decision that he made but but again it's it's not you can't the guys like these these guys that are coming in the league now kids that are coming up this new generation of of athlete is not is not they don't buy into the culture as easy they have to see some sort of benefit out of it and it's more about me instead of the team and like we've kind of seen that over time you know mm-hmm. what i mean and and it's kind of grown within sports where people go where the money is they don't really necessarily stay to win or stay together to win they go where the money is but it's also harder to get them to buy into the culture and and when people look at the patriots they don't really take care of their of their veterans of the guys that have put in all that work all that time they kind of are like well see ya and they replace them with the next guy you know what i mean you look at and you can kind of compare i know we i compare them a lot and i know that belichick's had a lot more success than Mike Tomlin has but when you look at somebody like Mike Mike Tomlin or the Steelers they may hold on to guys a little bit too long but at the same time I think they've been able to you know keep better talent around longer and the culture's been able to kind of stay unwavered because they do kind of back their veterans they do support those guys they may keep them around a little bit longer but there is that like I guess people are able to buy into that culture a little bit more because of that compared to the Patriots. Now, when you look at Belichick's strict culture that he has, the way that he runs things and he just. Well, and there's no players on that team where you, you look at and you're like, okay, you, you, there's no like star to look up to where Brady gave, you know, Bill's, you know, philosophy, a lot of cred- credibility because you look at the success that the Patriots have had now you look at the team, you're like, okay, this dude's just a hard ass, doesn't want to pay a lot of veterans. And we're not winning. And winning we're not winning, we're not winning. Winning at least before a lot of like, at least before you had a lot of players buy in, be like, okay, I'm gonna be here for a couple years, I'll buy in, I'll probably win a championship or two, and then I'll go get my money elsewhere. But at least I'll have a couple championships. Or at least at least, at, at least, least I'll win a lot. You know what I mean? Like that's right. that's the thing too, is like they always say winning cures all things and and he he has proven that he's been able to to win and and like I said, I I think the well, the, the debate the debate between who who was better Brady or Belichick is stupid because Belichick put everybody else on the field and he put all the coordinators in the spots and Brady went out there and played like the best quarterback of all time, right? So I don't think it was yeah. either one. I think that they were the perfect combination and the perfect storm. And without each other, they would not be as successful as they were. On and, top of that, I would say if you didn't put Brady in the Patriots when he was, he doesn't have the exact same success in a different location. Well, if Drew Bledsoe doesn't get injured, Brady doesn't come into the game. Yeah, 
But at the same time, he would have. But I think I think he still would have played eventually. Eventually, yeah, in like, in like a year or two. But my point is, Brady probably doesn't get called the greatest of all time if he probably didn't begin in New England. I think he needed Belichick to at least help start his career. And then we got this discussion of Brady versus Belichick. But it's, yeah. it's, there's no discussion. That's why I, I literally just said all this, David. <laughs> Are you good? <laughs> you a little jet lagged? I don't understand. <laughs> all righty. <laughs> he, he was just bringing up a different different perspective. Yeah. I mean, because uh, the, there there is a big debate, especially when Brady left, like, Okay, now we can see, you know, who was you know more responsible for the the Patriots' success. Was it? But that's, Bill that's, the- that's what I'm saying. There, there is there is no debate. Like, yes, Brady went to Tampa Bay and won a Super Bowl, but Brady put himself in the perfect situation. Yeah, I know. I get that. I'm just like, saying that people were having that discussion. <laughs> I know, but it's a, that's what I'm saying. It's a dumb discussion. It doesn't make. It's like it 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 doesn't make any sense because like yes, of course. We can all sit here and agree that Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time at this point, right? And you don't see anybody really catching up to him unless Patrick Mahomes like, or Josh Allen rounds off a bunch of Super Bowls here. You know what I mean? But other than those two, you don't really see anybody at that caliber at this point that would be able to catch him. So he played at a level that helped them win those games, but that was really only like 20 to 40% of what was needed to win those games. Belichick put everything else into play. You know what I mean? Like, I just think that like, if you wanted to give it like a 50, 50 thing, I'd be okay with that. But at the end of the day, like putting all the players around Brady, putting the coaching staff around Brady, making all the trades or draft picks or scheme or whatever it may be. That was all Belichick. Like all of that stuff came from him. You know what I mean? So I don't know. It's definitely like it doesn't make sense to have the debate because at the end of the day, I, I don't know. They're they're both great in their own regards, and I think if they weren't together, they still would have been great. They just wouldn't have been as great as they are now. You know what I mean? I yeah. I do kind of wish the uh, the Browns never let Belichick go. <laughs> that would have been nice to have him around. Mm-hmm. I'd just been the Browns curse, man. They would have ruined him. <laughs> like he'd have been. Chewed up well, and spit I mean, out and in and out in like four years, well, and then no, he well he 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 actually if if, if he wasn't fired, he would have went to Baltimore. Yeah, because he he would have went to he would have he would have went with the team to Baltimore, and I guess that is fair. Yeah, he he would have been a part of that organization, and the, the Ravens would probably have quite a few more Super Bowls mm-hmm. if uh, they had Bill Belichick as their coach. Maybe, but do they have? But does Belichick have all those Super Bowls without Tom Brady? Like. That's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, who? I mean, I guess maybe he. I mean, if they, if they so, did, so what you're saying is there is a debate. If, but, but that's what. But I'm saying like, but Brady. <laughs> but if Brady, if Brady went to New England and Bill Belichick wasn't the the coach there, he was still in New England. I don't think he'd have six Super Bowls either. You know what I mean? Like, it's. I, yeah. I argue that he'd probably have more because what's Baltimore more than six? What's what? What's Baltimore known for? Pretty much since they were created. Defense. Yes. What is Bill Belichick known for? Defense. Yes. 
If they you if Baltimore did everything the same with Joe Flacco, you think he's winning more than six Super Bowls? No, 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 no. You throw then I can guarantee you if he was the GM of the Baltimore Ravens, he probably would have gone after Tom Brady as well. He probably would have gotten drafted by Baltimore. I don't think he, I don't think he went after Tom Brady. We don't, Tom Brady. we don't know. There's there's too many there's too many what ifs in this yeah. scenario. I don't know. Yeah. But it, well, yeah. it could have happened yeah. because every team passed on him for, you know, five rounds. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it could have happened, but yeah. who knows? There's too, there's too many what ifs. If Baltimore was that good, if it was Baltimore instead of New England, we would have just been sad AFC North fans. Mm-hmm. Instead of sad NFC East fans? You mean AFC East? Yeah, that's what I meant. Or, but, hey, <laughs> we'd be happy right now because the division would be wide open. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. It's just the first 20 years of us being football fans would have been – well, I mean, um, growing up a Browns fan, it was always pretty sad. But for you, it would have been pretty sad too. But how – like, but that would have been like – that would have been a fun quarter. Like, you'd have you'd have Carson Palmer, Ben Roethlisberger, and um, Tom Brady, like, all going against each other every single year. That would have been a fun – I don't, I don't it know. Been, it would have been more competitive than the AFC East would have been for the past 20 years, but – yeah, and I don't I don't know if Tom Brady wouldn't have been able to hold up in that division with how rough and tough it gets. Like mm-hmm. I mean, you gotta think like you like each each of those games, like the Browns, you know, it, it could be any of the four teams playing each other, like it it gets pretty nasty sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I think more nasty than than what the AFC East gets. Like the rivalries in the in the AFC North, I think, are are kind of unmatched throughout the league sometimes like with the way that the games are played i don't know it's it it almost kind of reminds me sometimes of like of like college rivalries where where people like where they just really kind of hate each other um i mean i I really think even right now i think the only real rivalry in the afc east or afc north is the uh ravens and steelers yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, but that, but I mean that that just kind of goes back to the fact that like the Ravens and Steelers were the more dominant teams within the AFC North for the longest period of time. Like the Ravens were in and out, and the Browns really never were able to ground a you know grab a foothold until the past like you know four years now. So, and I now now I think you're going to start to see a lot more of those rivalries that were you know there that people thought they were there going to kind of start to to revive like the Bengals and Steelers and the, the Bengals and Ravens, you know, Steelers and Ravens, like, and the Browns, maybe they'll start to to kind of get back into that. Um, we'll have to see how Deshaun Watson kind of progresses and, and, and gets better. But I mean, he looked, a, he looked a lot better yesterday than he did in Houston. Obviously he couldn't have looked any worse, but honestly, it's only a second game back. I hope he shits the bed every game. Like, I, yeah, I, I totally get that. I I hate that for Browns fans, and I hate that for the guys that are on the roster because you have a generational talent in Miles Garrett, you have a generational talent in Nick Chubb, and I, you know, I really, I really feel bad for those two. Like, I, I hate, I hate that. I, I wish nothing but sadness in losing on that franchise at this point for for the position that they've put themselves in with him, but like. I hope he shits the bed every game. I honestly, I think that they 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 looked way better um, with Jacoby Brissett than they have Deshaun well, Watson I mean, the don't, past two weeks. Don't forget, we Deshaun Watson hasn't played in two years, and this is only his second game back. He's not just going to come out and immediately be twenty twenty Deshaun Watson. No, no, I know it's going to take some time. And 
Jacoby Brissett just fit the system perfectly and didn't turn the ball over and was in a rhythm. You know, mm-hmm. he, he was built up, you know, experience and, and chemistry with the, with the offense. So yeah. of course he was, he was looking pretty good. Um, I think it'll take some time, but I think, I don't know. I I've been on the, on the fence with Stefanski for a while going back to last season. And I'm really not impressed with Stefanski this year. Um, just a lot of dumb coaching decisions. I, I don't know. I'm just not a, not a big fan of him. Yeah. Well, I think he's, he's just, he's just more of a play caller. And like, I, That's I it. Think... like he doesn't strike me as a, as a good leader, but he, he yeah. I would give him credit. He is a good play caller. It's just, yeah. There, there's just no motivation. It looks like the team gives up halfway through a game as soon as things start not going their way. Listen, and they, you, they just look unmotivated. He's and, I don't uh, I, I don't I don't think they should give up on him just because he's the best head he's the best head coach you guys have had in a long time. So like it's not saying much. I mean no, honestly, I know, but if, I mean if we can go get Brian Flores, if we can poach him from the Steelers uh coaching staff, because that that's a man that should be, be a head coach. He he, yes. he would I would be, love to go get Brian Flores yeah, as a head coach. He'd be a good get. I I honestly kind of I was thinking about this too of like, you know, Mike Tomlin's still pretty young, but I just don't know. I I'm curious to wonder how much longer he would want to do this. And I'm wondering maybe if if Brian Flores stays in the system or in the organization for another like two or three years, maybe if Mike Tomlin retires or something like that, calls it quits and he'd be the next guy. But I don't know. Brian Flores should be a head coach somewhere and there's probably going to be some openings, um, you know, with, with the Colts and then um, who else fired their head coach recently? I can't remember. I don't know, but yeah, no, the the, the Broncos are going to be needing a head coach. Yeah, because they're, they're probably going to be getting rid of theirs. Yeah, that was a, a big one. mistake. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, yeah. what they got eliminated this weekend from any playoff chance. I mean, they, they mathematically they they were finally eliminated, but we all knew they've been eliminated for a while. Yeah, yeah. This if I'm if I'm Broncos ownership, I'm giving this like this tandem another year. Like, figure it out. I think that this was just. I don't. I don't know. I think we'll look back at this and either if it repeats, we'll be like, okay, then obviously something's not working here, but this was just a weird year for them. Like I, I think I like said this maybe a month ago or whatever, but I mean, you have a first time head coach, you have a first time offensive coordinator. You have a lot of young guys on that team. Obviously that defense is, is still really good. It it has been for a long time. And then you have a, a quarterback who's coming into that system for the first time. And I think the offensive line was banged up. He lost his run. You know, they lost their running back. So, like, I I just – I think there was too many things that were going against them in this negative way. And I know being a first-time head coach shouldn't be an excuse. But I don't – it just – it didn't seem like it fit well or it gelled well. So, I'm wondering if maybe we try to – they try to give it another another go-around. And if it doesn't work, then they got to shake stuff up. But I don't know. Yeah. I mean – how do you guys think the Seahawks season has been going? Much better than expected. I, I honestly thought that the Seahawks would be where the Broncos are, and I figured the Broncos would have been in a similar situation to where the Seahawks are fighting for a playoff spot. Mm-hmm. I, I thought, I mean, going into the season, we all thought the AFC West would have been just uh, absolutely 
horrendous division to to be in because they were, you know, on paper for the best teams in the AFC going into the season. So I, I figured the team's records wouldn't have been as high as we would have thought because they just would have beaten each other up all year. Yeah. So I figured the the Broncos probably would have been, you know, right where the Seahawks are at this point. Um, obviously, Geno Smith is a lot better than we thought. <laughs> and you, uh, the Seahawks. So with with that Broncos pick that they have, because it's going to be a pretty high pick. I don't know. If, I don't think it'll be the first overall pick. But do they do they take a quarterback? And have them sit behind Geno Smith for a couple years. Yes. Or, or do you think that they go all in with Geno Smith and just load up that roster with as much talent as possible and see how far he can take them? No, you I mean, go because I don't draft a quarterback. Because I don't because... know if they're going to be. They might have like the fifth overall pick, but at that point, number two, know, it's number two right now. It's number two right now. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, I mean. Right now, yes, Geno Smith is playing well, but he's been in the league for what eleven years, and this is the first he's really only, good season. He's only he's like thirty together. or thirty-one. No, though. he's 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 thirty. Yeah, he's thirty-two, but still, you can't bank on him repeating what he's done this year. So you go draft your quarterback, let him sit behind Geno Smith for a year, and then you move on because you he hasn't shown throughout his eleven-year career that he can consistently be a starting quarterback in the league. He's just in a, a good situation right now and playing well right now, but we don't know what he's going to be like next year. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can't, with the number two pick and a guy that's not going to be your long-term answer quarterback, you know, long-term being five, five to ten years as your starting quarterback, you can't pass up on a C.J. Stroud or um, Bryce Young from Alabama. You got to take one of those two guys and let let them sit behind Geno Smith and then but take do, over. But do you have to take? Because do you have to take C.J. Stroud number two overall? Like, I mean, I think we okay. E- either either one of the top picks or either one of the top QBs. Do you have to take your your future franchise quarterback? Yeah, I don't know. But here's the thing: I would go, and I saw this earlier. They. They struggle against run defense. Um, they struggle on run defense. Let me put it that way. I think that they solidify their defense first because they know they have a decent offense as of right now. They haven't been given a reason not to think that. And then you draft a quarterback later, and then you sit that quarterback. But who would you take, though, at quarterback? That part I don't know, but because I think I think you I'm could I think you theory. could wait to take a guy like Will Levis, you know what I mean, or I think you could wait to take a guy like um like uh, Anderson from Florida or whatever. Um, but at the same time, I I I think I think it might be super beneficial for them just to fill the roster out with as much talent as possible, and then wait till the next draft and maybe try to go out and get like Caleb Williams or something like that. Like I think Caleb Williams is going to be a lot better prospect than what like CJ Stroud is this year or Will Levis is, you know what I mean? Like even Bryce Young, like I, I think, I think that, that doing that and putting as much talent on this roster as possible and then having another year of these young guys that they have on their roster grow and get better and then putting a rookie quarterback into that situation, I think that's going to be a way better situation than 
you know what I mean? And just and just ride with Geno Smith. Like if if he can at least put together seventy percent of what he did this year, they're still going to be a competitive playoff team. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's like you're not asking him to be perfect. You're you're already setting up weapons for him anyways, and the future the the future quarterback anyways. I mean, so, a lot of people forget well, they they have they literally have one of the best wide receivers in the league. He's just been kind of like a little bit forgotten about because Geno Smith isn't necessarily like the greatest passer in the league. You know what I mean? Like they still have DK Metcalf, <laughs> so I think that. He's he's still gonna be okay. He's still gonna have weapons to throw to, and and all those rookies that they drafted are are doing phenomenal for them. So if they can repeat another year of drafting a bunch of really good guys, and then go into you know the next draft and try to get a Caleb Williams because they'll have two first round picks, they could try to package up and move in you know move up, and who knows maybe the Broncos fall flat again and they get another high draft pick. So I, I mean they could yeah. I don't know. Definitely interesting. Yeah. I mean, one guy that I think they're not going to be able to go out and get because I think the 49ers might hold on to him is Brock Purdy. What do you guys think about uh, uh, Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant? Do you think he's the, the future of the 49ers? I, I think off of one start, it's too early to tell. Yeah. I mean, we, we see quarterbacks come in, no name, well, not no name quarterbacks, but players that were at the bottom of the depth chart come in and do really well their first game because teams haven't prepared for them. There, there's no film on them. And obviously they've made it to the NFL, so they're not like horrible players. And we, we've seen players come in for two, three games and play really well, and then teams figure out how to defend them. And then we go back to exactly what they thought they were. I think if he could do this consistently, I mean, yeah, who knows, but – I mean, I think the, off of one game, it's too early to tell. It, I agree. It's too early to tell. But on, on the flip side of that coin, he has the offensive line. He has a solid defense. On top of that, he has the best, one of the best wide receiver depth charts and running back cores in all of the NFL. So yeah. there is possibility, but I won't deny that. Like Dom said, in due time they might figure him out. So I think but that I guess I guess here here's my thing though is like I when when people say they'll figure him out, like I don't think that he's doing anything different than anybody else does. Like he he throws a football and we are we already all know that most of the quarterbacks in the NFL at this point that come out of college, they're not it's not like they're crazy mobile, but but they can run, they can move, they can extend plays. Like that's yeah. But much every right. player has different abilities. Every player has different tendencies. They all, but they they all they all throw the ball. Like they all throw the ball, and they all they all can extend okay, the play. So then, then defending the every pocket. quarterback should be the same because they all just throw the ball, right? But it's just it. But it just it just depends. It depends on what what his skill level is at this point, and and how and how good he actually is. You know what I mean? Like did did he get did he really get lucky because nobody's seen him play before? He's He's Mr. Irrelevant. He's the third string quarterback on the roster. Like, I don't think that I I think that like at the end of the day, there there's nothing really different that he's doing that other quarterbacks are doing. It's not like I mean, we've we like look at Patrick Mahomes. He's literally rewriting how people, you know, look at quarterbacks and prepare for quarterbacks on a day in and day out basis. 
So if you just if you just prepare to like you're playing Patrick Mahomes every week, then almost every quarterback you should have a pretty good game plan on. So I don't think like now do I do I think that he came out there and it was his first game and he was juiced and he was playing with house money because he knows that he's not he's not maybe he in his mind he's like I'm not the future of this team I'm I'm just here to prove what I got and see and see if maybe I can get a chance somewhere. Yes, I do think that there was a little bit of that. I think that he came out and just just played like nothing really mattered because I'm a third string guy. Like nobody expects anything from me. So, and maybe as the weeks go on and they start to get closer to the playoffs, because I do think that unless they implode and start losing every single week, they're probably on their way to being in the playoffs. So I I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying that he's going to be amazing, but his performance this week was better than what we've seen from Jimmy G this year and better from what we saw from Trey Lance at the beginning of the year. I know it was a short I mean, Jimmy, sample Jimmy size. Jimmy G did have a – he had a four-touchdown, 300-yard game this year. So, again, it's just one game. I think everyone's being a little too reactionary to one really good performance. Let's see him do this consistently. Is it is it the system? Do you think any quarterback can step in and have a good game in that system? I mean, Kyle Shanahan's regarded as one of the best offensive minds in football. Yeah. And his system is notorious for being very quarterback friendly. Man, I just I, – I have dreams about Justin Fields in that system. He's so fun. Anyway, I don't know. Well – Yeah, I mean, he would have been a better pick than um, Trey Lance. Yeah. I don't know. Let us know what you guys think at home. Is Brock Purdy the, the future of the 49ers or is this just – a guy that fits in the system really well. And, and, uh, I mean, I, like I said, I think just the potential's a, there. One hit wonder. I don't know. We'll see. If he, I mean, if he has the drive and he has the mentality, I mean, that's, that's part of it is just giving a damn. And then you have to be able to have, yeah. you have to be able to have the talent after that. You know what I mean? And I think if you combine those two things, then, then you can be a really successful NFL player. But I don't know. We'll see. It should be pretty fun. Um, I think the only other football thing that we had was just the college football playoffs. And obviously here in Ohio, we have Ohio state. So what do we think Ohio state's chances are, you know, to win the college football playoffs? And then what do we think their chances are, you know, against Georgia for this first game? I know in Ohio versus Greg and I talked about it and I compared them a lot to Michigan. I think that they're like a better version of Michigan. So I think Ohio State has a, a really hard time or is going to have a really hard time winning this game. But uh, what do you guys think about it? I think that the – I think that Ohio State's going to struggle. I think that they're going to need a lot of luck in order to win against Georgia. Basically, they have every reason to lose in this upcoming series. Because if we saw anything in the Michigan game, they struggled as all hell. So everything is, as it sits right now, is working against them. Yeah, I got to agree. I mean, it's it's Georgia, man. They're, they're a completely different animal. I think Ohio State is a better team than what we saw in the Michigan game. Um, I think Michigan – did I say Michigan State? I meant Michigan. Um, I think they just outplayed them. Um, I think they got outcoached. Um, it was just a bad day for the Buckeyes. I think that they 
if they were to face Michigan again, I think it'd be a lot closer of a game, if not the Buckeyes coming on top of that. Um, but unfortunately, I don't think they have a chance against Georgia. I think Georgia is too good. They're too dominant. They're going to probably win it again, unfortunately. This is what I'll say. And I, it's people can look at, I think people were like, you know, asking for Ryan Day to be fired after the Michigan game. And okay. I get it. He's lost two in a row pretty bad, but I think the real, the there's two real problems or three, I would say. And the, the main problem at this point is CJ Stroud. And don't get me wrong. He's a talented guy. I think he has the ability to be a, a good quarterback at the next level but I think his biggest problem is not his throwing ability or the talent that his arm talent that he has. It's the, his mental side of the game. And for whatever reason, he doesn't have that. Like, like you guys remember when like JT Barrett led us back um, against Penn state, we were down like what, like three touchdowns or something and mm-hmm. he ended up bringing us back in the last like five minutes of the game. Like, CJ Stroud doesn't have that. He doesn't have that like mentality. Like when stuff starts going bad, he just kind of, it seems like he kind of shuts down and shies away from being that leader that galvanizes the rest of the guys around him to be able to win games. And it seems like he panics a lot and he just makes bad decisions. Like he has one of the best offensive lines in the country in college football and he's rushing throws. He's rushing his decisions. Like it, it, it just it doesn't feel right. And you saw it last year, but you were like, okay, it was your first time as a starter. As we get into your second season starting, like this is where you're, you know, proving to, you know, go to the next level. He's doing a lot of the same stuff. And Ryan Day can only do so much. You know what I mean? CJ Stroud has to go out there and and play the game. And I just don't think he's played it at the level that we saw Justin Fields play or Dwayne Haskins play or even JT Barrett play. Like, I just don't think that if you've looked at the past 10 quarterbacks we've had, the way that he's gone out there and played, I don't know if you would even put him in the top seven. So do you think think they should have taken or uh, stuck with Quinn Ewers? I do. Let let CJ Stroud go in the transfer portal and stick with Ewers. I'm not, I'm not mad that he started CJ Stroud at the beginning of the season. I think that that was the right move, but I think at some point he should he should have started working Quinn Ewers in and try to see what that would have been like. You know what I mean? And then I think he would have made that natural progression and then CJ Stroud could have been the one that went into the into the transfer portal and went somewhere else and we could have had Quinn Ewers. I do think Quinn Ewers was going to be the better quarterback, but you but you have you have to play the game, right? It's like CJ Stroud had had the most experience. He looked better to begin with. So of course, as a coach, you're going to go with him. But you yeah, have to play, year last year too. But you but you you have you have to play the name, image, and likeness game because Quinn Ewers is not coming there to sit for two years. He needs no. to play because he he wants to get paid name, image, and likeness wise. Which it, it's the 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 game they have to play. You know what I mean? Like we have we have a guy who's coming in at Ohio State who's like a top five quarterback recruit in this recruiting class. Is what's Ryan Day gonna do? He's got two guys on the roster that's been there, you know, for a couple years. Does he start one of them and make that guy wait? But then does he transfer out again? Or do you just tell those other two guys to kick rocks and you start the you start the freshman no matter how he looks? 
You know what I mean? So that that's that's where we're at with that team. But I think that's that's the main reason that Ohio State's looked bad this year. Is CJ Stroud just has not has not been the guy. He doesn't have he just doesn't have the dog in him. Um, the second reason that I don't think we're going to win against Georgia and that we we've struggled all year is that defense and the defense is improved from last year, but Jim Knowles just, I, I don't think it's all on him. I think it's on the recruiting fact that we don't have a guy in the secondary who's dominant. We don't have a Denzel Ward. We don't have a Marshawn Lattimore. We don't have a Malik Hooker. We don't have a Jordan Fuller. Like we don't, we don't have a guy in the Even secondary. Yeah. Yes, even an Eli Apples. Yes, even even a, like even a Jeff Akuda. Like Jeff Akuda at Ohio State was still a pretty solid, you know, DB. And we just don't we don't have a guy or a couple guys at the defensive back position that that can really be left on an island like he did with Michigan. Like they they dedicated to stop the run. Okay, cool, that worked for three quarters, right? But you couldn't stop the pass. And then when you tried to stop the pass, they gashed you in the run game. So if you can't. If you can't do any of that, then how are you going to beat Georgia, who's a better version of Michigan? And the third thing is the culture that's been built there. And these are Ryan Day's guys. This is Ryan Day's culture. And I said this on Ohio Verse. It's soft. Ohio State is soft now. It's yeah. we 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 used to bully people. We used to enforce our will on every other team in the Big Ten, and we don't do that anymore. Nobody nobody is nobody is scared to play Ohio State anymore. Nobody cares. Michigan walked into the into the shoe and punched us in our face and said, "Have a good day," and walked out. Nobody cares anymore. We're soft, and I don't know, I don't know how that happened. I don't know how Ryan Day has let this culture fester and grow like this because no it's got to be not, it got it it got to go it has to go back to him just as his personality you know he as a head football coach at at a major college program like Ohio State you have free reign to really run the organization as you wish so mm-hmm. you know what we've seen Ohio State become is really Ryan Day's vision of what Ohio State should be and you know, you you mentioned culture. It's got to go back to Ryan Day because he's the one that sets the culture. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. at, at this point, what do you do to fix? Do you let Ryan Day go? Do you bring back Urban Meyer? Because no. at, at this point, no. I, no, you don't. Well, I you don't let you don't bring back Urban Meyer. I don't think that that I don't think you can do that. I mean, I guess you could, but I don't I think mean, that, who, who's I don't think who's that's going to be out option. there that you would that you would bring in. Because I, I don't I don't know. You're this not going to be able to lure away any of the top college coaches. This, this, this is this is what I would do if I'm Ohio State and I'm, I'm, I'm if I'm the athletic director of Ohio State, I'm giving Ryan Day another year. I think if in the college football playoffs Georgia makes us look bad and they just run us over like Michigan ran over us, and then we go into next season and we lose to Michigan for a third year, and it's like another just obliterating loss like we have the past two years. I think you have to consider it. I think you have to consider letting Ryan Day go. And then I think that you I think that you go look at somebody like maybe maybe you go look at Luke Fickle and you try to steal him away from Wisconsin. I know he just got there, but I mean the guy knows how to build a culture. He knows he knows what winning is like. I mean, look what he did to Cincinnati. He turned Cincinnati into into a top twenty five program consistently the whole time he was. He's also there. familiar with Ohio State. Yes, and and he has and he's familiar with how to build a culture of 
of not being soft. Like Cincinnati was not a soft team when when they went to the college football playoffs. Yes, they got they got matched up against Alabama. That was a tough matchup. But for three quarters, that that there there was a game there. It just got into the fourth quarter and Alabama pulled away because they just have more dudes than them, and that is what it is. But for three quarters, Cincinnati was in that game and they were fighting the whole time, and they did not. It did not look like Cincinnati was soft. You know what I mean? So. I, I don't know. It just the past two years, Ohio State has looked has looked soft. And even when Justin Fields was there, you were kind of like Justin Fields was really the only one on that team where you were like, if he wasn't here, I don't know how good we really would have been. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's okay. and, and and we'll always like, listen, the the offensive line consistently producing NFL talent at the offensive line, the wide receiver room consistently producing talent at the wide receiving room under Ryan Day, right? But in the secondary, we really haven't had any guys at the defensive line. We really haven't had any guys that we produced. Like yeah. running back wise, outside of J.K. Dobbins, I don't really think there's another guy that we've really produced in the NFL. And J.K. Dobbins is really an Urban Meyer guy. So, I mean, who who's there's not really it doesn't seem like there's really much NFL talent on this roster at this point and you can't I, you just you can't win that way and I think that's part of the the name image and likeness as well too like people you're you're not going to have a a a, a ton of five-star guys that are going to want to commit to one team because they're not going to get all the money you know what I mean like yeah. the talent is going to start to spread out and I think you know with this 12 team playoff we're going to see that and Ohio state might not be as dominant as it used to be. Alabama might not be as dominant as it used to be, which we've already seen Clemson start to fall off. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, going back to the name image and likeness, like you said, I do think it's going to, it may suck to be, you know, Ohio state fan for a little bit. Um, We, we may not be having as much success as we've been accustomed to, but I do think overall with the talent being more spread out, it's going to be good overall for college football. Yes. Especially especially going to a 12-team playoff, we're going to need that talent spread out a little bit more. So it's not just, you know, the top three teams or the top four teams that really are the only ones that really should be in the playoffs. And they just destroy everyone else in the playoffs. And everyone's like, oh, well, at least we made the playoffs this year. You know, at, at least now, as the talent gets more spread out, the number 10 team may have a chance to to make a run in the playoffs. The number 11 team may be able to pull off an upset. Who knows? I mean, outside of outside of Georgia this year, if you were to put anybody in the playoffs from the top, like let's say top 15 or top 12, let's say top 12. If, if there was a playoff this year with 12 teams outside of Georgia, every team is beatable. I don't think any team is unbeatable, right? But Georgia looks like the only team that could win against every single team that they'd play in the top twelve, if they had to play one of them in the playoffs. So it's like, and 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 maybe maybe Georgia is just not affected by it. Maybe they just have a better coaching staff. I maybe Stetson Bennett's just that good. I I don't know. I mean, it's definitely. But also, you got to think like again that comment that I made about Ohio State. Georgia has a lot of NFL dudes, like a lot of dudes that could play at the next level right now so that's that's the difference like at Ohio State I mean who's really gonna play at the next level maybe Tommy Togiai in the linebacking core maybe Tommy Togiai is he's he's with the Browns and he's right now rated not Tommy Togiai 
Yeah, I was gonna say Togiai is rated as the worst defensive Who's, tackle. Um, sorry, the NFL not, right not Tommy Togiai. The line I can't think of his name. That's Eichenberg. Sorry, Tommy Eichenberg. Um, same first name got me messed up. <laughs> um, but he's he's a pretty solid linebacker. Like I could see him being like a Pete Warner, Baron Browning at the next level. Um, and then I guess the wide receiving core, like Marvin Harrison Jr., maybe. Yeah, he's gonna be a dude. He's gonna be a good. He's gonna be a good wide receiver within the NFL. He might need like a year of development once he get there. Gets there, but I mean, hey, Ohio State produced, like I said, and then Paris Campbell on the offensive line, Paris Campbell Jr. or whatever I think, or Paris Johnson Jr. Whatever, he'll he'll be pretty solid in the NFL as well too. But I I don't know. I could talk about Ohio State all day, but this is not a Hivers. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, but we do have another wild topic on our list today. It's the Guardians signing first baseman Josh Bell. So you guys, um, you know, as baseball guys who, you know, really kind of are the baseball guys of the podcast, what do you think about this signing? And uh, what what does it do for a Guardians team that – really surprised a lot of people and won a lot of games, you know, gave the, the Yankees fits in the playoffs. Like what does this do for them going forward? I think it's fantastic. I think mm-hmm. you, you look at this lineup and you see a lot of guys that put the ball in play. You see a lot of guys that walk, get on base, hit for average. There's no real power threat on that team. I think Josh Naylor was the closest thing that we really had to a true power threat and with with his leg situation, he can't really – he shouldn't be playing every day. Um, so And he really can't hit left-handers at all. Like, you're, you're better off just not leaving that spot empty in the lineup if you're facing a left-handed pitcher. Josh Bell gives you that power threat that this team needs while still hitting around league average um, in, in terms of batting average. But he's going to hit a lot of home runs. And he's, he's good at hitting left-handers. So he's going to give you a guy at first base that is a power threat that can hit left-handed pitching. And, you know, you, you can put Josh Naylor in at DH. You can put Josh Bell in at DH. I, I think it, it, it fills a need in the lineup, and I think it's going to be a great move. Basically, he, 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 he fills the shoes that Bron Mil Reyes should have been when we got Fran Mill. Yeah. I mean, Fran Mill Reyes last, not this previous season, but the season before that, 2021, he was, he was great. Like he was looking like, he he was looking like he could be a real legitimate power threat and be around a long time. Like he was looking like the dude and he just fell off a cliff this year. Like I, I've never seen that big, that bad of a collapse before. Mm. So basically, I'm, we're we're hoping that Josh Bell becomes the power threat that basically Cleveland needs, because Jose Ramirez, he, while he can definitely hit the ball, basically hit the cover off the ball. Basically, Jose can't be the sole home run hitter. Yeah, like you, you don't want to have pose. You don't want to rely on him to be your main power threat. He's best hitting for average, just hitting a bunch of extra base hits. Let him hit a hundred doubles a year. Let him hit you know a couple triples. You can't rely on him to hit thirty home runs because 
if he if you want him to try to hit 30 home runs, you're going to see his batting average plummet, and that's that's not what we need. Is there is there another guy that you would like to see them bring in to kind of help? Because I mean this this team, I think if you were to take exactly what they did this year and 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 add Bell and, and his home run ability, you know I think that they, that they probably could get past the Yankees in a similar situation. But is there another piece that you think that they need to add or another couple pieces to kind of put them in position to compete to win a World Series this year? Or do you think that this is this team is ready to compete at this point with what they have? They need a catcher. Um, as much yeah. as I like Austin Hedges as a defensive catcher, he is god-awful batting. Like He is horrendous. So if we can get anyone that can is, you know, an average defender, but – can give you even just league average batting. That would be a huge, a huge benefit to this lineup. Um, there, there was a guy, um, the Oakland catcher, it's name slips in my mind. Um, but he was just traded to the Braves today, but there's a couple guys that are out there um, that I think would be good trade targets for the guardians. Um, but I think right now the biggest need is just a catcher that can hit. Yeah. Outside of catcher, um, is Correa still on the market? Carlos Correa, yeah, but he he's way out of the Guardians' budget. All right, fair enough. Like he, I mean, especially with all the shortstop contracts that we've seen recently um, over the last week or so, he's going to want big money. And the Guardians, they have the money. They it, they really could spend the money if they wanted to, um, but they're not going to drop. $250, million on, on Carlos Correa when they chose not to spend that kind of money on Francisco Lindor. What I've heard is they tried to actually spend that money on Francisco Lindor. Lindor just didn't want to come back to Cleveland. No, I, th- I think he wanted to come back to Cleveland. The, the year, his last year in Cleveland, they made him a, a offer. It was like a seven-year, 150 it, it was similar to what Jose Ramirez ended up getting, but Lindor obviously knew he could get more than that if he were just waited out and he waited it out and, and got the money that he wanted to, but no, the, the guardians would never, would they would, I don't foresee them ever spending $300 million on a player. Mm. Hmm. We're talking about spending $300 million on a player, the Yankees. Have probably do they have they have three million they have three hundred million and three guys four guys now on their roster. Yeah, I I saw I saw a stat. Um, the Yankees contracts with Garrett Cole, um, Aaron Judge, and uh, Giancarlo Stanton combined are worth more than the Miami Marlins' entire organization. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> like between the three of them alone. They have a billion dollars invested in them. Yeah. Which is absolutely, absolutely insane. And is why I still to this day, you know what? I'm going to say it. I hate the Yankees. I really do. <laughs> I used to, but after the Astros cheating scandal, I, I shifted all my baseball hatred to the Astros. I know a, a lot of the people in the front office are gone but they still have guys on that team that were a part of that organization. And you know what? I hate their fans too. 
Astros fans are probably the worst in all of baseball, in my opinion. I know Yankees fans are up there, but God, I hate the Astros. I but the the Yankees are weird to me because when you when you think about like the early two thousands Yankees, like yes they they always they've always spent a lot of money. Like the Yankees and the Dodgers have always spent an ass ton of money on their players. That's just that just is what it is. But I mean they still won. Like they still won World Series. They were still, you know, dominant. Like I know that they're making the playoffs, but they just don't feel as dominant as they used to. And and I feel like they're spending more money than they ever did. So like I guess I, I just don't I don't understand where the when you have that much money and you spend this kind of money, I and maybe maybe it's just they're the guys that they're spending money on just aren't as good, you know, as what they had before. I mean, obviously you have generational talents in, in Jeter and they had Robinson Cano and, and obviously like, I, I just, I don't, I don't know. I just don't know where, and the Dodgers are kind of the same way. Like you're. Well, the Dodgers have been a lot more successful as of recently, but I, I get, I get what you're saying. And I think it's because it's one thing to have just a bunch of star talent on offense and not have a, a good manager that figures out how to make all the pieces work together, but also ignoring your starting pitching and your, in your bullpen for the most part. Yes. They have Garrett Cole. They had Nestor Cortez this year, come out of nowhere and become one of the best pitchers in baseball. But besides those two, there was really no one else in that starting rotation that you would think would be deserving to be a starting pitcher for the Yankees. Um, they had a they had a couple guys in the bullpen that were really good got injured this year, but you know it's it's one thing to hit a ton of bombs and I know that's what gets a lot of attention and sells a lot of tickets, but you you have to have a guy a manager that figures out how to manage all the personalities and get the best out of all of his players, but you also can't ignore your pitching because pitching is obviously very important like you you can't just have offense because what we saw this year they were too reliant on Aaron Judge and the team went as Aaron Judge went when he was on fire the Yankees were on fire when he went through a big slump you know late summer the Yankees everyone thought the world was crashing because the Yankees couldn't win anymore and then he picked it back up and they made the playoffs and then we saw a playoff Aaron Judge bat I think under one for the playoffs and the Yankees we're honestly lucky to get past the Guardians, and they got swept by the Astros. And that's the thing you can't you can't rely on one guy to hit the ball. Like, I mean, like we talked talked about with the Guardians, like every single guy on that team this past season was able to you know hit for contact and get on base, and like not every single guy, but the majority of guys, you know what I mean. Like they were able to do that, so that they put themselves in better situations. Like I just I. I get I get having Aaron Judge. I get paying him because he he's a he's a he's he's a generational talent within within Major League Baseball. You know what I mean? But but at the end of the day, why do you need why do you need Giancarlo Stanton then? Then maybe try to trade him and get some assets in return. Like you don't need you don't need two of those guys. Like that doesn't make any sense to me. Like trade him, get yeah. some assets out of it, try to put some, you know, up like you said, try to try to bolster that that pitching rotation, even the rotation guys maybe try to get some more consistent hitters on the team or some better defense on the team, whatever it yeah. may be. Like you don't, you don't need two guys 
to pay them that money so that you've strapped yourself. You can't pay anybody else on the roster. Like, like even though the Yankees, well, I mean, the, 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 the Yankees, I mean, they, there's no salary cap in baseball, so you can spend as much but money even, as, as your even, owners have. Even, even though they have a shit ton of money to spend, everybody still has a limit. Right. And apparently they've reached no, their limit that. because if they hadn't reached their limit, then they would just go out there and buy more pitchers. You know what I mean? So clearly they've reached their limit because this has been a consistent issue for them is their pitching staff has been consistently bad for the past like five or six seasons. Well, uh, one thing that I'll add, it's, it's one thing to just spend a lot of money on players, but let's, let's look at the second or the really a team that spends the most money is the Dodgers. Not only do they go out and they, they pay for the best talent, but they also have, have for a number of years now, have had one of the best farm systems in baseball. So not only are they going out and trading for and, you know, signing in for agency, all the best players, but they're also developing a lot of young talent too. And we're seeing that pay off in dividends in their, their pitching staff and their bullpen. The Yankees haven't done that. They have a couple guys that, that we think are going to be really good in the farm system, but for the most part, they don't really have a good farm system. It's really just the guys that they bring in in free agency and pay a lot of money for. And they're not bringing in, in the pitching that they need. They're not bringing in, besides Aaron Judge, the hitting that they need to really hit and play consistent, uh, consistently. And on top of that, I think that this might be a little out there, but I think the money isn't necessarily enticing everyone to want to go play for New York or LA anymore, unless you're that big name player like Mookie Betts or Aaron judge, because at the end of the day, if you go and play for LA and New York, they're expecting you to, if we're going to pay you a lot of money, we're expecting a championship out of you. And I don't think that. Is worth the money is worth it to anyone anymore because they don't want to go through the absolute hell that is playing for a New York team, regardless of whether that's the Mets, the Yankees, or even an LA team, whether that's the Angels or Dodgers. No, the Angels are a different issue, but yeah, I get what you're saying. I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's the case. I just, I think, like I said, every every team has a cap. You know what I mean? And I think Dom Dom's point makes the most sense. Like, you can you can go out there and you can spend as much money on talent as you want, but eventually that talent's gonna get old and not be as good. So you're gonna need to be able to replace that. And what's better way than to replace that than investing in your farm system? Like, look at all these small market teams in quotation marks, right? Small market. They invest in their farm systems, and that's why they're able to stay pretty good. Like the Guardians, you know, they might have like a couple down years, but then they're going to have six or seven years where they're where they're a really good baseball team, where they're competing in the playoffs, and they're you know they have guys that they that they developed and brought up. Like you you think about a team so, like the New York Yankees who have all that money instead of instead of paying Giancarlo Stanton three hundred million dollars, put three hundred million dollars into your farm system and really develop those guys so that you can continue to have generational talent year in and year out, you know, mm-hmm. come through your farm system and you can continue to be good that way. And you can continue to pay the best players in the, in the world play for your team. And you're going to be even better year in and year out and more dominant. And I just don't understand like that. That to me doesn't make any sense why they're not, why they're not doing that. But that is beyond us. 
Yeah, I don't know. All righty. Well, we talked about football, baseball. Let's go ahead and um, I'll let you guys talk about the World Cup because, to be completely honest, I've been kind of boycotting it um, just because I I don't I, – I just – don't agree with everything that that went on to make it happen and i i don't know so i haven't really watched it but if you i'll let you guys talk about it and give your thoughts on what's been going on and 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 how things have been happening and and um and who you think might might come out on top of it just um, i think it's i think it's been really good um a lot of exciting games morocco's a great story making it to the semifinals mm-hmm. Um, really pulling for them at this point to uh, make it through now that England's knocked out. Um, you know, like I said, it's been good. I'm excited for it to be over so I can get back to watching City and you know club soccer like I'm used to. Um, kind of don't like that it was in the winter and you know we've had a two week break that we usually wouldn't have had during the season. Um, but I, I think the overall quality of the games has been good. Um, yeah, I have nothing else to add to it, really. Yeah. I, I will say, I, I think the U.S. team did better than I thought that they would. Mm-hmm. I think they, they really held their own in the in the group stages. They played well um, in the round of 16. I know they ended up losing, but I, they're a young team. I always knew that this World Cup wasn't going to be the one that they really contend for. I always thought it was going to be, um, see, the 2026 or the 2030 World Cup that I think – is really going to be where this team shines. Yeah. And then I think that this is just really, I've just been like tuning into like the results and whatnot, just paying attention here and there. And I think that this might just be the year of the small country. Uh, Basically again, quotations small, but yeah, for all we know, Morocco, could just pull this out. I think that that would be a great story because they they really came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. So, alrighty. Well, let us know at home who you want to win the World Cup. Morocco seems to be a, a clear favorite here at Deep Dive Sports at this point. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, well, I, I like I like rooting for the underdog, and, yeah. and no one expected Morocco to really get out of. <laughs> sorry. No one expected Morocco to get out of the group stages, let alone make it to the semifinals. Yeah, because uh, it, it's Argentina, Morocco, France, and who else? Those two, those three teams, I know for a fact. Why is it blanking my mind right now? Oh, Croatia. Croatia. Yeah, uh, Cro- Croatia. They they really surprised people in the last World Cup. Um, they made it to the final, or yeah, they made it to the final. Um, but it, everyone expected them to be pretty good. I don't know if semifinal good was what people were expecting, but no, no one expected Morocco to to really get anywhere. Mm-hmm. Alrighty, well, let's go ahead and uh, switch gears. I have like two topics left, and then we can kind of add some more if we want. But uh, I, I know that we've kind of talked off camera about it a little bit, but. I didn't know if you guys wanted to talk about the Brittany Griner situation. Um, I know a lot of different people had some different, you know, viewpoints on it, opinions on it, but um, she's finally home at this point. So I don't know, I guess the whole 
process that's happened and and now that we're at this point like i guess what's your guys's you know thoughts on on everything that has kind of transpired since she was arrested back in february i mean i i think the way that she was treated was bad i think they treated her a lot worse than they would have if it was just a normal person that would have done the same thing but with that being said you know i i think i said this before last time we talked about it you have to know what situation you're getting yourself into when you travel abroad, because not every country is going to have the same laws as the U.S. does. So just because we may be, you know, medical or legal in a couple states here doesn't mean that those same rules apply elsewhere. So, you know, your, you know, weekly deep dive, deep dive sports public service announcement, know the laws and and, and stuff. <laughs> Uh, the countries that you're yeah. going to, because every country is different. Every country has different laws. Every country looks at things differently. So while weed's you know pretty generally accepted here, it is completely banned and outlawed in Russia, and there is zero tolerance for that. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter if you have just a little vape cartridge with a little bit of THC in it; they don't care. You know they're they're gonna they're gonna throw the the book at you and. You know, unfortunately, that's what happened to her. And, you know, I, I think she was, you know, made an example of, um, unfortunately, but you got to know what you're getting yourself into. So I, while I feel bad she was treated the way that she was, because um, I don't think she deserved it in a way, you know, again, you got to know what you're getting yourself into. And on top of that, Russia hasn't really been the the greatest country to go to. As a late, yeah. Why was she there in the first place? Yeah, she was playing professional basketball there. But I'm, so in the in, in in the off in the off season for WNBA players, they the majority of them go overseas and play professional basketball somewhere else. So does the WNBA not like you have a rundown before they send these people overseas? Like, hey, this no, I'm is sure. What I'm for. I'm sure they do. The what like basically what came out of like the, her lawyers over there. And that, that was kind of conveyed over here was like, um, it was one, it was one like jewel pod that she forgot to take out of her bag. Like it was something that like she, she, I think that, that she was like over here visiting her family or whatever and on a break or something. And then when she went, she went to go back and she had just forgotten to take it out of like her bag that she had in there. So it was like, Literally, I mean, it was like a, a jewel pod that in there, they're not very big, you know what I mean? So it's something that could easily get lost in your bag. So like, I, I get it. You, you sh- like, as Dom said, you should probably be extra careful. You're going to another country. You want to try to make sure that you don't break their, their laws and their rules. And, you know, I, I think a lot of people forget how different it is in other places than here. Like here, there's <laughs> like a lot of, a lot more things are, there's a lot more leeway here than there is in other places, especially Russia. And I I think that Russia saw a little bit, a little bit more of an opportunity out of this one than, mm-hmm. than what she deserved. I think if she was a normal citizen there or, or a normal person from another country, you know, or another country outside of Russia, I don't think she would have gotten nine years in prison there. I think it would have been a little bit or a lot less. Well, but... we we don't know what the mandatory minimum sentence is. It, that nine years may just be the mandatory. That minimum. was the most. That was the most they could give her. They give they gave her okay. the most. And again, it's I I as when you're when you're talking about the 
the the way that we're in right now in this in this world like i'm not gonna say we're you know it's not as bad as it was in the cold war but there there's always gonna be this like this this like political game that that they're gonna play with us and we're gonna play with them right we do it back and forth It, it it just it kind of is what it is at this point but she was definitely made an example out of and definitely you know used in that kind of a way. And I, I think that, 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 that's just kind of unfortunate. And I think a lot of people should, should see that. And, and, and it is an unfortunate thing that WNBA players have to go, you know, they basically have to play two full seasons in a year, but their, their league isn't profitable enough that, that they can't not do that at this point. Um, But I don't know, just kind of a, a crappy situation, mm-hmm. you know, all around. And, and I think the, the more, the, there's like two like unfortunate things that like have come from her, you know, being traded for the individual that she was traded for. I th- I think the the most unfortunate thing was that, you know, there's still a, a an individual over there from America um who wasn't able to come home. I think that's something that, you know, obviously we would have liked to see get done, but again, another person that kind of put themselves in a situation in another country knew what they were getting into um and and kind of put themselves in that situation to be over there obviously you'd like to see them come back but i think the second thing was like a lot of people are making i guess you know being on social media and kind of seeing what's going on a lot of people are making like jokes about her being traded for the person that she was i guess traded for and it not being like good like it wasn't a good trade or like it shouldn't have happened or you know yada 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 whatever it may be and i I guess I, I I just kind of remind people, like, imagine if that was your loved one over there. Like, I think that you would have done anything in your power to get them back, regardless of, of what it took. You know what I mean? So, yes, I think we can look at it, you know, and, and Monday, Monday quarterback the situation. But if that was your wife, if that was your daughter, if that was your sister, if that was your child, like what would you have done? What would you have given up to get them back? You know what I mean? I think that's, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's completely fair. And I don't know. I, I guess just to kind of see all the, all the hate around it. Like, I don't know. It just kind of was like, I, there's a lot of things that happen day to day in this country where I'm like, I kind of lose faith in, in the people a little bit here, but that was one of those where I was kind of like, like, I can I can understand people questioning a little bit because he is an awful individual, but but to make like but to make videos and to make jokes about it and into like I don't know go go as far as I've seen some of them go it just kind of it kind of bugged me and rubbed me the wrong way a little bit, but I don't know she's back I I guess that you know we said that we would kind of talk about this situation as it unfolded and. I don't really know if there's much more to talk about it at this point, but did you guys have anything else you wanted to add to it? No, no, I think that's pretty much it. No. Alrighty. Uh, let's uh, switch back gears a little bit, go into a little bit more lighthearted of a topic. This is like the only one I had left. Um, or the only one I added to it, David pretty much had all the other topics that he threw in there, <laughs> but this is the only one that I added um, to it was just, I think that like, you know, watching the NBA this this season and and kind of seeing that, you know, I still think that LeBron is a pretty dominant player within the the NBA. Obviously, I don't think he's the same guy that we saw, you know, 
six years ago, but he's he's still pretty dominant, still probably the face of the league. I think you can start to see the Warriors are starting to kind of come to the end of their their run there, and, and Steph Curry's getting older, but he's still pretty dominant. I think, you know, Kevin Durant, who you could say was probably the, the in the top three faces of the league at some point, I think he's still a pretty good talent, but he's always been pretty soft to me. And then you have Giannis, who's kind of in the middle of his prime right now, but I I guess we've seen in the past where it went from Michael to Kobe to LeBron. Like, who's next for you guys? Is is it somebody who's in the NBA right now, or are we still waiting for that that next like that next guy that this next generation can look at and be like, this is the greatest guy of all time? You know what I mean? Like, I think our parents slash grandparents would say it was you know Michael Jordan. I think you know, the generation in between our parents and grandparents and us would say it was Kobe. And then, you know, a lot of us would say it was LeBron, you know what I mean? So for that next generation, who's going to be that next guy that, that they're going to say is the greatest basketball player of all time. I don't know right now in the league. I don't know if there's anyone that would be considered the greatest of all time. um, If they were to keep it up. Um, But I think in terms of, you know, passing the, you know, face of the league off to, you know, from, like you said, from Michael to Kobe to LeBron, I think it's going to be Giannis at this point. Yeah. Um, I think he's, he's best suited. I think he's already pretty well known around the world. Um, but, especially- is he, but is, but is he, is he going to get the chance? Because like, I mean, Zion and Luca are kind of sitting there and like Giannis is already what, like 29, 30 right now. Like, is he? Is he? By, I, don't think, by, I don't think he's that old. He's at least no. twenty. He's at least twenty eight, twenty nine years old. I think. Yeah, right. I, I mean, I, think, I, I mean, I'm not saying that he's going to be the face of the league for the next fifteen to twenty years. No, but, but I, just, I, I think, I think he'll be the face of the league for a couple of years, and then I don't. I don't as even, as Lucas starts to to develop even more, and as Zion if he can stay healthy and keep playing the way that he is, I think the biggest thing with Zion is, is, is his health and how often is he going to be on the floor? If he can stay on the floor, then yeah, I think in a couple of years, I think he'll be the face of the league, but I think, I think, I Luca's, I think Luca's already passed Giannis in the next up for face of the league. And I think Luca's probably you, you could make an argument that, that he's a top, that like when you when you do the top five guys like he might be a top three guy within the league at this point like I know Dallas isn't have doesn't have the best record but I mean he's really kind of carrying them at this point to what they have so and his ability to pass his ability to get to the basket his ability to shoot the three like he's kind of a triple threat in that regards and I don't think we've seen a guy you know, be able to do that in in a long time. So I don't know. I like Giannis. I think Giannis is a good player and he continues to get better, but he had, he had to play in a time where you had LeBron and, and LeBron doesn't seem like he's going to quit for the next two or three years. And at that point, Giannis is going to be in his thirties and then Luca is going to be entering his prime. If Zion stays healthy, he'll be entering his prime. And then, you know, you have guys like Trey Young and John Morant, you know, LaMelo Ball. Like these are young guys that are continuing to get better and and I don't know. And then you look at the Cavs, like look at 
Darius Garland. Look at you know, maybe Darius Garland turns into a guy who's who can be a face of the league depending on how well he improves and, and continues to grow. You know what I mean? I don't know. Mm. It's really just hard to say. I don't I don't yeah. I don't think I don't think there's a guy in the NBA right now that's that people are gonna look at and consider the next the next great right now. Like I I mean, I, I think there's there's players in the in the league right now that are gonna be considered top ten, top fifteen all time. But I, I don't think there's anyone in the league right now that's gonna be anywhere near that conversation with uh Michael and, and LeBron. No. No. I like I, said, I I think I think Michael, Kobe and LeBron should hold that for a while, you know, unless somebody comes in and just just wows us, you know what I mean? I I don't know. Be interesting. I don't know. I just threw that out there cuz I I've been like we we've had that like people have had that conversation for a while now, like who's who's next, but I mean we're we're really coming to the end of like LeBron's career is coming to an end, whether or not we want it to or not. Like, like I said, he's, he's still, he's still playing really good basketball. It's not like he's, you know, sucking, but like he's what, 38, 39 years old. Like there's only, there's, there's only so much more that he's going to be able to do and so much more that he's going to be able to give. And, and I think that we're going to have to, you know, come to terms with the fact that we're going to live in a world where he's not playing basketball anymore and who's like who's the next person that everybody's gonna look to and be like, yo, that's that's the dude, that's that's the guy who is the NBA at this point. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, go, maybe, going back to LeBron, not to change topics, but how soon after he retires do you think he gets uh, either a coaching job or do you think he buys a team right out of retirement? I don't. I don't know if he buys because I mean he he said that he wants to own a team eventually. Do you think it's going to be 10 years after he retires or do you think it's going to be pretty much immediately after he retires? He's going to go try to buy a team. How long, how long did it take Michael to buy Charlotte? He's been the owner there for a while. Um, I forgot exactly. No, what he but he, Michael also, you know, LeBron's already a billionaire. Yes. Michael had a ton of money from his playing days from all the endorsements and stuff, but he didn't have anywhere near the money that LeBron already has. Well, I mean, he had he had the Jordan brand, like he yeah, had, he had but he wasn't a bill. He he yeah, he had the Jordan brand. The Jordan brand is still huge. But by but, but by by the time he bought Charlotte, I'm I'm sure he was a billionaire at that point. Yeah, but I, what I'm saying is LeBron's yeah. already a billionaire. No, I know, but I and I don't, but I don't know if LeBron maybe. I mean, he could say that he wants to buy a team, but like, I mean, is it really that I think enticing? He was on an episode of I forgot what podcast he was on, um, but he, I think he said his goal is to buy a team and uh, put a team in Vegas. Mm, I remember hearing something. Yeah, like, I mean that that would be that would be fun if they did like an expansion. They did an expansion where they brought back Seattle and Vegas, and then they just because you could you could easily push like you could easily push New Orleans to the east and then you could easily push uh Memphis to the east. You know what I mean? Like I think that those Yeah, be- I think Memphis would make the most sense in the east. We'd have you'd have to push two teams to the east yeah. you're going to add. You know what I mean? So I think those two teams would be easy to push over. Um and Vegas Vegas would be a really good spot for for an NBA team cuz you'd have then you you'd have the three of them and then I I guess 
I don't know. I mean, they, they'd have a WBA team, an NBA team, um, hockey, and then football. And, well, they'll, and they'll have baseball eventually once the A's move. Mm-hmm. The, they, they, the A's have already said that they have plans to um, move to Vegas if they don't get a new stadium with Oakland. Damn. Mm. <laughs> Poor Oakland. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the A's and the, the Raiders were pushing for a new stadium it's been over a decade since they've been trying to get a new stadium. Mm. It's just the city of Oakland isn't willing to work with them. So the Raiders said, fine, we're, we're going to move. We've been saying we're, we want to move or get a new stadium for a while now. We weren't joking about that. They can't. And the A's, I think the stadium is so bad and the, the team is so cash poor at this point being in Oakland that they can't renovate the stadium. They can't really pay a lot of players. Fans just stop going to the games because they don't want to – they don't want to want to go to the stadium, but they also it's it's not a good not a good product. So if, if the A's move to Oakland or not move to Oakland, move to uh, Vegas, they're going to have a lot more money. They're going to have a brand new stadium. They're going to actually be able to draw a crowd and put a good product on the field. Yeah, I don't know if Oakland can afford to lose a third professional sports franchise. I mean, like you you saw basically Golden State moved across the bridge. And they moved out of Oakland. You had the Raiders leave, and if you have the A's leave, then they have nothing. Like <laughs> there's nothing there. I so. mean, they'll, they'll they'll just root for San Francisco. They're they're really just right across the bay. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it. Well, the Forty Nine ers are not across the bay. They're well, they're, they're they're farther down, but they're they're, they're, they're down area. in Santa Clara. They're a little bit more south, so it's still the Bay Area. Um, I don't know. I mean. As much as I don't like seeing billionaire owners get their way, I, I, I agree with a lot of the sentiment coming from the city of Oakland saying, you're a multi-multi-billionaire owner. You can afford to to build a new stadium. Like We're a city that's already struggling to fund basic city services. What makes you think that we can you know, give you $300 million to, to build a new stadium that the taxpayers are going to have to pay to use anyways? So... Really, when you're using public funding for these stadiums, the taxpayers are paying twice because they're up, they're fronting the money to help build the stadium, but then they have to also pay to use it. So you're you're screwed, yeah. you're double screwed if you're a taxpayer paying for this thing. So I, I understand that, but you also have to look at the revenue that you know these sports teams bring into the city um, in terms of just not only just merchandise sales, but actual activity in the downtown area and people coming into the city with tourism. Um, there's a big economic impact and that's going to be missed. Yeah. Do you, do you think so? So let's, let's, let's say that this happens. Let's say that they start an NBA team in Las Vegas and then the A's move to Vegas. So now you'd have a baseball team, an NBA team, a WNBA team, an NHL team, and an NFL team. So you'd have five professional sports franchises, and I can only imagine that it would only be a matter of time before the MLS expands there. There's a professional soccer league team there at some point. So if you have six professional sports teams in Vegas, is that too many for what Vegas is? Like, Vegas is not is not necessarily like a high-population living zone. It's, mm, it's, it's, a, it, it's, a big, it's a big tourist attraction. No, it, it's quickly becoming – it's one of the fastest-growing cities in the U.S. 
Mm-hmm. Um, hold on, I'm bringing up the population of because it right now. A lot of people are moving out of California, and one of the first states that they come to is Nevada. Well, it, not only that, if I'm looking at the population of Las Vegas right now. They have grown, so from 2000, their population was under 500,000. They were 480,000. In 20 years, it's gone up to 646,000. And that's just city proper. That's not in, that's not including the metro area, which is also one of the fastest growing in the country. But you look at the millions of people that visit there every year. So you have a, a growing and already large population on top of the millions and millions of tourists that come there every year. Yeah, they, they definitely will have people to go to the games. Mm. There's people that just go to Las Vegas for gambling. And you throw in, on top of the gambling, another reason to be in the city. Yeah. Being sports. I mean, yeah, you could, I guess you could just make like a weekend of it. Like, oh, hey, we're going to go see the Raiders play and then gamble some money away. Or, hey, we're going to go see so the A's play. On top of that, you could kill two birds with one stone. Yeah. You could literally bet on the Raiders game and game attend the game as well. Yeah. I will say I do I do think I do think a fun trip would be going to see that stadium. That'd be a fun trip. <laughs> so going off of my earlier point with um the amount of tours that they get, so it looks like last year in 2021, 32.2 million people visited Las Vegas or the like the Las Vegas area. In 2019, there was 42.5 million people visited the Las Vegas metro area. So, yeah, they're they're not going to struggle to fill seats yeah. because not only do you have a metro population of north of two million people, but you add on top of that, you know, roughly 35 million visitors every year. They're not going to struggle at all. Well, probably more as like as COVID becomes more of a distant thing, like it's only going to continue to increase and. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, I guess, I guess if there, there is, if there is one place that could handle every single sports franchise, maybe Vegas is the one to do it. And yeah, I, I mean, either Vegas, New York, or LA. I mean, LA already, they already, New York and LA pretty are pretty much have those teams. Yeah. Is there, yeah, I guess, cause what New York has soccer, baseball, they have two baseball. Two basketball, two, two basketball, two football, two football, two baseball. two baseball. Do they have two soccer or just one soccer? Uh, just one. And then they have a WNBA team, the New York Liberty, I think. So they have I ten. So. so they have ten professional sports franchises in in New York. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Or in the uh, yeah, I, I when you put it that way, Las Vegas can definitely afford and be able to manage six teams. Yeah. And honestly, you're not even counting like like Buffalo's not too far away. So you have like the team Buffalo's pretty Buffalo. far away. That's well, far. Buffalo's the, pretty far away. In the I guess I guess in in the Northeast America up in that area, you have Buffalo, you have Boston, like you have all these. You know what I mean? In that I don't know. There's a lot going on up there, but well, I mean Buffalo is unless you fly there, you're looking at a good eight to ten hour drive i'm just saying in that general area not not from not from buffalo to new york city but Mm. you know from here it's about 10 hours no that's what i'm saying i don't think buffalo is eight hours from new york like yeah it is it's six hours 
from Cleveland, you're looking at six to seven hours. Yeah, well, he's not saying from Cleveland. He's saying from Buffalo to New York. That's still a long drive. Yeah, you're, but it's not. It's but it's not. Huge, like I don't. I don't think it's like. I mean, I could be wrong, but I just didn't think it was that far. Hold on, I'm putting it in maps now. I'm looking up directions. It's six hours and thirteen minutes. That's still not like I. I don't know. I mean, and you got to think like, in I guess in that northeast area, like with Buffalo, with Boston, with New York, with with Philadelphia, like all of those kind of being within five to six hours of each other, and you you probably have like fifteen. 16 professional sports franchises throughout all that area. So I don't know. Definitely interesting. But that's pretty much all I had. You guys have anything else? No. 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 All righty. Well, thank you guys for listening to another episode of Let's Talk Sports presented by Deep Dive Sports. Let us know if there's anything you guys want us to talk about. Um, also be on the lookout for another two minute drill coming out in the next couple days. And then, um, yeah, I think that's pretty much what's coming out in the next week is two minute drill. And then we'll hit right back on it the next week with the Ohio verse and another two minute drill next week. So thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you on the next one. Thank you for listening to another deep dive sports show. Make sure to follow deep.dive.sports on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can listen to all of our shows wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow our YouTube channel for more amazing content. Lastly, make sure you leave us a comment. We love hearing what you have to say. And as always, until next time, Deep Dive Sports listeners.